You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight we're looking at the Season 2, Episode 8 of Star Hunter Redux, entitled Torment. Old man Santiago's got a problem. His parents were kidnapped 50 years ago, and now the kidnapper, Darnell, wants ransom to return them unharmed. They're just a pair of scared kids, but Santiago doesn't have the money. But he promises to get it. While this is happening, Rudolfo has problems of his own. One of his exes is demanding he owes child support, which Rudolfo is behind on. Without that money, she can't send their 16-year-old daughter, Serena, to correctional camp for the summer. And so, the Transutopian becomes that summer vacation for her. When she gets to the ship, she spends her time pissing everyone off and trying to jump Marcus's bones. Instead of paying the ransom, which Santiago can't, he decides to engage Montana and the gang to track down the kidnappers. It's an interesting kidnapping racket. Santiago's parents were kidnapped when he was just a boy, then taken on the kidnapper's spaceship at sublight speeds out to the outer planets and returned eight months later, relative to their own timeline. However, because the ship traveled at high relativistic speeds, 50 years have elapsed for Santiago. They arrange to monitor the money exchange, and it all goes wrong when Santiago decides to... I don't know, something. Anyway, shots are fired, Rudolfo is hit, Darnell escapes with the parents. Santiago blames Montana and the gang because... I don't know, he just doesn't seem the most coherent of people. Cunning plan is hatched. Montana guesses that Darnell will take the ship up to speed for a day or two and return and try again. That's uh, two to five months for us mere mortals. So the cunning plan is to pursue Darnell's ship, and while the Transutopian also has an antimatter drive, it's flaky. Rudolfo suggests detonating a torpedo near the enormous antimatter ball sack hanging off the back of Darnell's ship. This scares the big Jesus out of them, but they don't surrender, so they use lasers to cut the ball sack off. Cut free! The ball sack, which is filled with highly dangerous antimatter and could explode on an astronomical scale, and the ship go in opposite directions. But then the ball sack hits the ship anyway, and then it hits the transutopian too, because hashtag drama not physics. Darnell surrenders and agrees to fly his disabled ship back to Sin City and turn over the parents, which for some dumb reason apparently makes sense to and is agreed upon by Montana. Serena is actually quite impressed with her worthless father and decides she wants to stay, but when Rodolfo tells her no, she contacts Darnell and asks to, I don't know, run away with him? Despite the fact that she's never met the man and knows nothing about him except that he's a kidnapper. Montana and Santiago meet Darnell and the parents are freed, ready to continue their happy life with a son that's twice as old as they are in a world that's passed them by. While waiting for Darnell, Serena meets Marcus's old friend Vela, who, as a fellow stripper, takes pity on the girl, but does nothing to stop her from going off with Darnell, who is promising her a dream life in the outer worlds, but is, of course, just kidnapping her to ransom back to Rodolfo. The gang catch up to them before they leave, and another shootout occurs, and Rodolfo gets shot again. Father and daughter reconciled, it looks like the Transutopian has a new crew member. Maybe? But somehow, I doubt we'll ever see her again. The end. I love it when a show does what this show did. What's that? Give me numbers to crunch. And numbers they gave me. And because the internet is such a wonderful place, let's go over some of these numbers. Because relativistic speeds, per Einstein's special theory of relativity, are a thing. They're a proven thing. We, we know that an object moving at a faster speed, time travels slower. And, and we've been using this in our GPS satellites for decades now because they travel, you know, your head is actually moving faster than your feet. And so the top of your head is actually aging a little slower than the bottom of your feet because of 
the, the orbit or the, the rotation of the Earth. Right. And the same is true with the satellites. They're way up there. To stay in stationary orbit, they have to move faster than the Earth. And so, therefore, their time is moving slower. But GPS requires absolute precise time-based calculations. And so their clocks have to run at a different speed so that they can match up to the speed on the surface of the Earth to do the calculations. This was something that they planned for at, at the time when they launched the satellites, and it hadn't been proven, and it proved to be true when they went up um, that it was absolutely necessary to the engineering of it. So... That's a formula. It's an easy formula. There are half a dozen relativistic speed calculators on the internet. Eight months, for you to spend eight months and have 50 years elapsed back, let's call it back home, you need to be traveling at 299,766 kilometers per second or 0.9999. One one C. Now, fine. That that's a that's a real thing. The question is, what the heck can they do in eight months at relativistic speeds? Because I did a little little poking around with a few different things in our solar system. For example, if they were at those speeds and they wanted to follow the orbit of Neptune around the sun one circuit that would take them about 1.1 day at that speed if they wanted to go from the sun to neptune about five hours they could be gone for an entire orbit for just one day they could go out for one day they would be gone 11 weeks back home. So, and in fact, just a couple other fun facts, Voyager 1 is only currently 21.1 light hours out as of January 2021, which means, roughly speaking, they could get to Voyager 1, where it now is, in 22 hours or less, because they'd be starting further out. This is, I love this idea. This is something we would have to deal with if we ever start approaching light speed. These, this is a real a real phenomena, a real science fiction concept, and it's something that if they'd given it two and a half seconds thought, they would have realized this is the dumbest kidnapping plan ever. Right? Well, what, what, are, what are the two things you need for kidnapping? Well, three things. Somebody to kidnap is one of them. We'll write that one for... Get that one for red. Yes, and then... Someone, someone to pay the ransom. Who, someone to pay the ransom and someone who can afford to pay the ransom. I'm thinking you are on, not only are you spending 50 years away to cultivate this person's chance to get the money, but what are really the odds that a child is going to grow up and be rich enough to pay ransom to make it worth your time and effort? Frankly, 50 years, they may not even care. They may be dead. All sorts, they could be a skid row bum. And you have wasted eight months of your life and 50 years of time in this scheme. You've been feeding these people, you've been keeping them alive, and now what are you going to do? You're going to murder them. That bumps the charges up from kidnapping to murder. It's, It's a bad value per money proposition. It's a really bad value per money proposition. And and all for all the world it feels like they only have that one couple on their ship. I I would think that they would have yeah. like dozens of kidnapped people and then they come back and then they they hit them all up and see well can any of them pay and then we just kill the others off because you know murder. Um but it doesn't act that way because Dante's just like you're going to release those parents. If there are other people he didn't care, they didn't let them go. They're still doing their thing. It, it 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 really doesn't... This is not what you would do with time dilation. And not to mention that, of course, other ships could chase them. I mean, obviously, this kind of speed technology isn't that rare that, that there aren't people that could go after them. I mean, yeah, somebody um, had someone had to make that antimatter engine. Yeah, and, and we've got one on the Transutopian, flaky or not, but I'm sure that there are ships that... And, his ship's 50 years old. 
Darnell's ship is 50 years old. There are bound to be newer and better ships. Right. Newer and better technology in the 50 years intervening. So, I mean, all of that is just like, this is a really great area. All of that is just like, this is a really great area to explore and into a crime. Um, it, it just really didn't didn't make any sense. And if you want to think about it, if they're traveling at eight months at those speeds, what are they doing? I mean, that's not like that's not like they've flown out to Neptune and spent seven months on Neptune in the spas while keeping two people prisoner and then come back because that would change the relativistic speeds to being uh, they were traveling uh, you know one month at at high speed and they elapsed 49 years and five months so you know that's even closer to the speed of light and again what, what were they doing with these why you know, they're just they're having to do the upkeep on these people. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So, I, I wish they could have found a better way to use this. I do appreciate the fact that we finally have something out of this show because we had the, the earlier stuff about being out on the curve, which is obviously, they mean the, the relativistic curve. But, yeah. <laughs> it's like... And and I will say right now, those numbers are back of the napkin and you know, right. the distances, the, the numbers, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're relatively close because what I did was I took them and I, I kinda punched it into the couple of different relativity calculators and they came up with the same numbers. And then I used that and I started working on, you know, how far away is Voyager one in light hours because this is, you know, ninety nine 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 one one percent of light. So if it's twenty one light hours out then yeah 21.1 light hours out voyager one then these guys are divide by 0.99991 which is about 21.2 hours out so you know they could they are traveling fantastic distances for i I don't know. I mean, how do they stay alive for the eight months while they're waiting to get their payoff? And would money even be worth... You know, it could be like Dr. Evil when he comes back yeah. after being frozen yeah. and he holds the world to ransom for one million dollars and everyone's just laughing at him yeah. because inflation. inflation. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to give me 6,000 credits or I'm not giving you your parents back. I'm like, well... Uh, sure, I got it in my pocket here. <laughs> I go buy some gum. <laughs> I don't know. So all, all of that is very fascinating. And I got to tell you, far more interesting to me than the story about Rudolfo and his daughter. But <laughs> um, another just uh, just for fun, I also kind of worked out. I was when I was playing with this, I started thinking about like, is there a sweet spot that you could hit? where it made, I don't know, it made sense. Or it, it no longer made sense to travel at the speed of light. And no, there isn't. But, or at least I don't think there is. But, so for example, it takes us about nine months to get a, a probe to Mars when we hit a launch window. Yes. Now. Um, at our nearest distance, we're about 56 million kilometers from Mars. At those speeds, you could, at their speed, they could get to Mars in 186 seconds, which would be pretty darn good, but you would lose about four hours back home. That's not a bad trade-off. It's a good trade-off. Yeah, I mean, that that's better than losing nine months. <laughs> right. So, so, I mean, it, it does still make sense to travel at these speeds, but it's, it's weird when you start thinking about going out and coming back, it, it's not so bad if you go out for a day or two. Like I say, if you can get to Mars in 186 seconds, if you could get to Neptune in a day, you would you would lose 11 weeks. Or no, you could do an orbit in a in a day. You'd lose 11 weeks. But 11 weeks is not so bad when you come back. Your family's not dead and, and their bones haven't decayed in the crypt and things like that. But at some point the numbers begin to make it a one-way trip and it's just not worth coming back. And 
they're almost here at this at this eight month uh, yeah. zone. You know, not much longer, and then it would have been well. Oh, huh, our kid died. Well, well, what are we gonna do? Um, so yeah, that that was the part that I uh, that was the part that really fired my imagination when we started talking about this. Except for the, except for the. Let me see here. Do I have anything else about why I think that crime is? No, I think that's it. I hit all my notes without referring to them. I am so happy. Okay. <laughs> that's, that was that was good. Um, there is a brief moment in this where we kind of get this sort of yeah, that could be your father. You ever find him, Travis? <sighs> and then. I don't know. We didn't really go anywhere with that. Is that really what we're expecting, or or concerned, or um, the synopsis I saw actually mentioned that yeah. as being a key point to this story? And I'm like, really? It was more or less just sort of mentioned. I did. Those mentions do come up in various episodes. Yes, and then we do get. In the Redux version of episode twenty-two, we will re we will get a we'll get um, we'll see Dante again. I'll put it that way. Yeah, stop looking forward to it. <laughs> looking for old man Dante. I'm looking forward to it. There's a Chekhov. There's a big Chekhovian gun sitting in this episode. Yeah, I suspect. Um... Quite probably the unused uh, antimatter. It is drive. that will become a major point later in the season. So let's talk about the antimatter drive for a second. Then um, they didn't use it, correct? Because it's broken. Okay, I thought they said it was flaky, and so therefore they were hesitant to well, use it. it but it, that's it does, all right. It, it doesn't work. Um, okay, that that that's fine. I I knew they didn't technically use it in the course of this episode but it did kind of sound like they were going to try to perhaps try to pursue the guy at speeds i also i guess i should be pedantic while we're talking about the speeds all speeds that are physically obtainable are sublight speeds when i walk to the bathroom i am walking at sublight speed yeah. everybody is moving at sublight speed and yet they kept referring to that in a very very poorly thought out way as oh he's gonna he has to slow down before he goes to sublight what 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 he's already going sublight you're going sublight we're all going sublight what are you talking about do you not understand the difference between sublight and transluminal speeds uh, apparently not but that was it. That was a little bit weird. And the other thing is, if the Transutopian has a, a, an antimatter drive, why doesn't it have a big ball sack hanging out the back like this guy ship did? Yeah, the actually, glowing stuff. It, it actually has one built in. So that's the big round one. So its 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 genitals haven't dropped yet. Is what no, we got here on exactly. the Transutopian. Okay, it's an old it's an older ship though. You'd think it would have it would have gotten out by now. Um, maybe surgery can correct that. I. I also, because I'm, I'm saving the stuff with Rudolfo for the very last, because I watch, and I don't do this. I don't watch, I don't watch Star Hunter twice. I don't watch it three times. I watch it once. And just on the very rare occasion, I'll go back and watch a little bit. But I watched the quote unquote chase sequence four times. Uh, I showed it to other people. <laughs> I said, all right, watch this and see if I'm not wrong here. One, Darnell's ship, Darnell? Yeah, Darnell's ship is towing the antimatter. It's not pushing it. The, the antimatter is not the engine pushing it. It is being towed behind the ship. And we know that because of the maneuvers the ship makes and the way that the, the hanging ball follows it behaving in a probably not accurate way in space but but we'll we'll go with it when they cut the thing off the two go different ways the ship goes forward the ball sack goes backwards which is not what would happen 
because they're moving and they would continue to move at the same speed. So they would just continue to go the same direction. And because it's not a question of mass and in space and it's not like the, the ball would speed up and hit the ship. That shouldn't... But first off, we see them go different directions, which would mean the ball is heading towards the transutopian and the ship is still continuing to head away from the transutopian. But then we see the ball hit the ship from behind and glance off of it and continue on. And then we see the ball hit the transutopian, which is behind. So what we have is that ball goes backwards, forwards, and backwards in one scene. It does. Is that just totally screwed up because Star Hunter Redux redid the special effects? It was that way originally. It was that way originally. Okay. That is definitely hashtag drama, not physics. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. I could see it hitting the transutopian because the transutopian is under power and therefore accelerating. And so it could catch up with it once motive force had been removed from the from the, uh, the, 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 the sack. But, uh, yeah, it, it was... Like, okay. All right, they just... They wanted to play fun with this and physics and stuff, and they just did not... They didn't succeed in, the, in that. And yet, that was still the most interesting part. Do you have anything else about... Um, that? Uh, only that... Um, you know, bad physics in science fiction seems to be a trope. Oh yeah, well it was sound in space too. Yeah, no, I, 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 I that doesn't mean you can't, you don't get to point it out. And uh, <laughs> so. yeah, and uh, the show, one the show that try really tried to get it right was the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they famously did not have expl- did not have ships exploding and making lots of noise. Right. It it's right and and you know this is 2003 I think. It is. Um the further along you go, my opinion, but the further along you go, the less excusable this is. Because you know all of the arguments begin to fall by the wayside. Like, we don't know what it would be like. No, we do. Uh, the writers don't have access to the material. Yes, they do. Now. Maybe they didn't. You know, in 1950, who knew? At least writers in Hollywood. They're not going to be consulting the guys at Caltech and, and or JPL and getting the physics right. Nowadays, there are scientists who are willing to do that for you almost on a gratis basis to get the physics more accurate. However, uh, they will tell you that sometimes they will be ignored because drama, not physics. Right. You know, sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. But when you actually take a concept like the time dilation and throw it out there, and then I'm not going to pretend it's easy math. It's a, it looks like a fairly easy equation. I'm not going to try it, but it, it you know, it, it's it's settled, right? It's like plugging something into a quadratic formula. It, it, you, you may not understand it, but if you know what it uses it for, you can get it done. 2003 were those calculators out there? I don't know. Like I said, I found at least six, I think, on 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 the web now, where you can just go. I want to travel uh, one year at. And, and come back in 50 years, you know, one year of my speed, come back in 50, and it'll come back and say, here's how, how fast you have to travel. Or, you know, any combination of those parameters, you can get the, the third, third component. Um, you know, we're, we're far enough along here that... And they are giving the pretense of pretending to care about these things they they want to they want to exploit them for their benefit but they don't want to they don't want to honor what they would what they would be and not work their way around it i'm sure there's a way they could have worked their way around it to make you know 
was it dramatic that the ship got hit? I mean, which was more important? Did it hit the, the bad guy's ship or did it hit the, the, the trans-utopian? I think the point was that it hit the trans-utopian. Right? Because that that's did, the part that's supposed to scare... Attention. That's what scared Serena. You know, they disabled the other guy's ship, so fine, he's off there. But, you know, the, the, the point was to get Serena to be worried in fear for her life, have some respect for what her father is capable of doing. And, and so, you know, they could have, they could have accomplished that. As I say, the trans utopians under power, it would have caught up with that thing fairly quickly, probably. Although they did give us a distance between the two and we, well, maybe (laughs) I I didn't try working any numbers there because we have no clue what they were traveling at. But so, okay. Rudolfo. What about Rudolfo? What the heck about Rudolfo? That's a darn good question. What the heck about Rudolfo? Porn on the bridge? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Seriously? Uh, actually, I've had people fired for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually, um, they used to audit computers. So, I'm a, yeah. uh, actually, uh, that scene reminded me of the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, Har- uh, not Harvey Corman. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember the very trippy, weird. Chewbacca yeah, was Harvey Quinn. Che- Chewbacca. Oh no, it's che- father, it was Chewbacca's dad, Chewie. Uh, no, uh, he was or... having a lot of um, getting very entertained, shall we say, by that Diane Carroll video. Yes, by that, that Diane was, Carroll yes. video. Yeah, that it did look a lot. It did look a lot like that. And I, okay, no. And here's my point about Rudolfo. Is he a scum, or are we supposed to have some sympathy for him? Because I'm, I'm. Does it, does I'm it have to be either the, or? I see them trying to make him be vaguely sympathetic, but they are doing a very poor job of it because he appears to be every bit of scum that everyone accuses him of being. And, you know, it's not it's not even the porn. Okay, I'm just I'm starting with the porn because they started with the porn. Here is a guy who is sitting on the bridge and this is not the place to get yourself aroused. Uh, he has, he has when, quarters. Yeah, he has quarters for that. And if he wants to do that in the benefit of his quarters, I have no problem with that. I mean, that's 20-whatever-century uh, uh, entertainment for an adult, and that's fine. Well, it's technically, it's, 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 it's still the, it's, it's the last year of the 23rd century, but yeah. Okay, but, but the bridge. This yeah, is just bridge. not a, a good... Not a, that's not a good look, and I'm glad that he never got any further than just sort of rubbing his tummy, because that's not usually what people rub yeah. when they're yeah. watching pornography. Exactly, and, and therein lies the problem. Uh, you know, when when Marcus comes in and he's all like, "Oh," or you know, yeah, no, this is this is. He's a very despicable person, and then you get on there with his ex-wife, and it's like you never pay your child support. Okay, that's a despicable person, and um, he he hasn't seen his kid. I mean, they kind of implied he'd never seen his kid, but then eventually they showed her in a picture with him. So clearly, he has seen his kid when she was very small, but he has absolutely nothing to do with her, and leaves her with a woman who he himself said, you know, it was great. And then it turned out she had a real dark side to her. And in that, in that moment, I'm, I'm like, wait, are we, are we supposed to have sympathy for Rudolfo here? Because it turned out he married a woman who was in some way, let's call it evil. And, but if that's the case, then why didn't he get his kid away from her? No, because he's scum. And so I don't have any sympathy for him. And it, it, it just, and I don't have any sympathy for his ex-wife either, because later on we find out that she turned her daughter into being a stripper. And let's use air quotes around that, because that's clearly a euphemism for prostitute um, at, at some point under age 16. Right. So mom is scum too. <laughs> it's like, and and not, let me be clear, not because mom is a prostitute, but because mom would force somebody else into being right. a prostitute. That, you know, and, a, a child. Yes, and what chance, and of course the daughter had no chance. Well, yes, right, which is 
down to Rudolfo. So <laughs> it, it's all it, it, it he, he and then he saves the freaking day with his oh I read the tech manuals and nobody reads the specs and there eh, we'll be fine blowing that thing up and then at the end he admits he lied about that. So even that's like he just led everybody into a potential death situation, a huge potential death situation on a lie and it paid off but it was just a gamble and that seems to be everything about Rudolfo's life. It's a gamble most of them don't pay off. Uh he 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 proceeds without any consideration of the consequences or the potential consequences of his actions. And I I just I really have been struggling with him. I in the first season I just hated him. He was just an unpleasant but freak, fortunately not in it very often, at least in Redux version, uh, unpleasant off-screen character. Fine. You know? But this year, he keeps doing everything wrong, and yet they keep making him into the hero at the end of the episode. Have you noticed that? I mean, he yeah. he thinks out Travis, he saves Travis. He... He gets uh, the two on the TV show. He gets them out of the TV show. I mean, he, he is. He winds up bonding with his daughter. Yeah, he, he winds up bonding with his daughter. But you know darn good well he's still going to kick her off the ship, right? She's not in the next episode. Am I correct? She's not in any more episodes. Exactly. So this whole bit about, hey, she's going to spend the summer with me. And finally, I kind of get some respect for dad. And boop, gone. And, and never to be seen again because... It was a, 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 it was supposed to be a character piece for Rudolfo, but I didn't really come out rooting for him in this story. I mean, he he spends all his time trying to send other people to do to talk to her to right. to deal with her. He, for crying out loud, he has the absolute. I, I can't even I can't even describe how despicable. It is for somebody to say to Percy, hey, you'd be a good role model. Because, no, I, I, do, I do like Percy's response to that. At least she knows. I think, what does he say? It's something to the effect of you have a, you have a, a ship, you have a life, and you I have wrote a the, future. I wrote this down. Um, the line, is, her response is, I quote, this ship's a hole. This whole ship's? My purpose is to waste my life yep. on it, and my future is more of the same. More of the same. Unquote. Yep. Yes, that's an exact, that's an exact, perfect description of Percy. Percy's own words, but it also is, you know, the fact that he would try to pawn her off as a role model is just really, really. Do you know? You know what would have been interesting? What's that? To me, they, they could have they could have done so much better. If she had spent more time with, uh, uh, can't think of her name, Marcus's Vela, 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 yeah, yeah, she spent much more time with Vela. That scene, actually, somebody made contact with her. Somebody was starting to form the, you know, a connection on shared experience, and that could have been could have been good if you wanted to go into drama or you wanted to go into some insight into the human condition or something but they didn't they just they hinted at it and then Ayla didn't do anything she didn't try to help she she stood back and let him leave and sure she she thinked him out when when she got the hots for Travis but it, it, it just it felt like a missed opportunity there it felt like a real missed opportunity there. And, and that is the same character that was in an earlier episode, right? Yes, she was in Biocrime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was the same one because she said, I'm a friend of Marcus. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why she looks familiar. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I, I, I did try to think of a crime. You know, when we did Star Cops, right, the premise of Star Cops is try to take a science fiction concept and turn it into a crime Yeah, every week. Some of them more successful than others. That's true. I saw every one of those. 
and um, but it, it it is a very it's a very distinct pattern to the show, right? I mean, you you come out of that and go, oh, okay, this is this is somebody, and it's not how do I put this? It, it's not somebody just taking the standard kidnapping or the standard murder or or whatever or embezzlement and and just putting it in space which a lot of shows will do right because people are the same all the time and in the future everyone will be exactly alike they actually went out of their way to try to make each crime have some aspect of it that it made it unique to the environment that they were existing in and i feel like that's what they tried to do here I, yeah I, they were going for that it's the wrong crime I don't know what the right crime is. You know? What 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 would be a good crime that you could use you escape? I mean, I, okay, here's one. Um I head out This is not exactly a crime, but let's say I rob a bank and then I hop in my spaceship and I fly just far enough and fast enough to come back when the statute of limitations has run out. Something like that. Or how about this? You keep it as kidnapping. But not stay out for um, for eight months. Yeah, there you go. It could be a little bit a little bit shorter time. Although, what's the advantage of going out and coming back? I mean, except for I don't know. I guess. All right. Let's say Mr. Santiago had been thirty years old and extremely wealthy, and his parents were in their sixties, and he mm. kidnapped them. Okay, and he takes them out for a year relativistic time. So, in, in other words, a year to Santiago, not to Darnell. Right. Uh, and then he comes back and he says, well, you know, your parents have been out, have been gone for a year, but guess what? They're alive. You thought they were dead, didn't you? You probably thought they were dead and buried and getting, maybe even, oh, oh, there's one. Wait a minute. Seven years. That's what you need. You need to be gone seven years. No. Okay, here's what uh, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that seven years in our current society and here in the United States, I believe it's the number that someone has to be missing without trace before you can have them declared dead. Okay. So the parents are rich. The guy maybe stands to inherit all their money. He takes them out for seven years and waits for that guy to declare them dead and inherit all their money and then comes back and the problem with that is that if I declared my parents dead and took all their money would he be inclined to give them the money back (laughs) (laughs) it's like well I've inherited all their money well I don't need them back actually I mean I'm not saying I personally would do that, but I mean, I can see in the world of television drama, it's like at that point, you're like, well, I wasn't rich. Now I am rich and now they're back, but they're dead. So I don't care. Kill them. Whatever. I, I can, I can see, but I can see you could manipulate something like that or, or you could, um, I don't want to kill my parents, but I want all their money. So I will pay you to kidnap them, take them out for seven years. I'll declare them dead, get all their money. And then you can let them go. Okay, that way I don't kill them, but I get all their money. And, you know, good luck proving it's them and, and some some variation on that, maybe? Some sort of, ex, not extortion racket, but, but you know, a, a fraud of some kind that you could use the time. And, and, and Darnell wouldn't have to spend, this is the important part, he himself personally wouldn't have to waste seven years keeping those people on ice. It would make it practical to keep them out long enough to be declared dead. I could work. Although, although I would guess that in a world that this seems relatively common, probably there are probably provisions. I mean, if I go out and I'm gone 50 years and I come back, are my bank accounts still there? You know, is, is it, you know, my family and friends are gone, but the important part is my safety deposit box still there with my stuff in it. And, and so I would assume that there's a legal framework that has had to be built up, which would have also been very fascinating to learn about. There has to be a legal framework for people living at different speeds. Yeah. Uh, and in this kind of in this kind of reality. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was an H.G. Wells novel 
one of the less famous ones where I remember reading it, uh, where I never forgot the title, but it was about a man who fell asleep and he woke up hundreds of years later, immensely wealthy because the money stayed in the bank and capitalized. I don't remember that, and I know I know I've read all of Wells' science and, fiction. Then, of course, on, on the downside, he was also a pawn of, of, a, of a totalitarian government, so that was a problem for him. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you don't know what's going to be there when you wake up. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the novel, he wound up committing suicide in a revolution, but yeah, sad ending. Well, did, did he did he commit suicide, or did he like yes. charge the light brigade or something and and get right. killed in the process? Well, it, 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 it was a suicidal mission. He knew he wouldn't come out. Okay, okay. That's that's a little better, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not much, but a little. Huh. I don't, I don't remember that. But then there, are, there are a surprising number of H.G. Wells' uh, lesser lights out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. There was some. The um, I did find some entertaining lines in this episode. Hmm. There were there was some good there was some, there was some snappy dialogue. I did laugh at some of the dialogue. Like um here's a scene when Rudolfo is between Rudolfo and Travis. Rudolfo, I bet you made out like a bandit. Oh, Travis. Yeah. I was a bandit. That was a great line. I I'll give I'll hundred percent give him that. I actually have that one written down here as as oh yeah, that was a good one. And I liked it when Callie said when was when after um, Callie and Percy had come back from um, the daughter's quarters, and Callie was talking to Rodolfo, she said, let, "Let me put this in the most positive light I can. I didn't strangle her." Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Um, yeah. So she tries to jump Marcus. Yes, yeah, she does uh, more than once. Yes, and she does. Um, at one point, then Percy comes in. And suddenly Gina pulls the, he attacked me, ah, ah, and, and run off. Person not, believe that? No. Okay. Because as she said in the episode, teenagers are psycho. Hmm. Well, I mean, technically speaking, I think she's still a teenager, so. Although I'm beginning to wonder how long Star Hunter 2300, I know you say it's like a year or something, but... Yeah, that's an antimatter drive Rudolfo got a couple years ago. I heard that line. I was scratching my... And winced? <laughs> like, Maybe he um, just had the drive and he was hanging on to it, uh, you know, yeah, and brought it in with his I was trying bag. to think what he would have... Yeah, was he carrying this thing around? Um, yeah. I'm just... It's possible, yeah. I guess. I didn't see it, but I was... Oh, you know, wow. Or this team's been together for a couple years, you know. No, that, that's... No. According to the answer, but this um, this each season plays out over the course of about a year. A year. So that's what I thought you had said. So when I heard that, I'm like, well, and that doesn't come. Off, that doesn't. A come year from... ago, the trans utopian was in limbo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, seeing it is a see, but but that time frame doesn't come from me. It comes from G. Philip Jackson. Right. Well, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a, I'm guessing it's just a boo-boo, but, uh, it was a, it did stick out. It's like, eh, two years ago. Really? Huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was like, mm-hmm. now someone you said. You mean maybe 13 years ago. And left it, on, an the, and, and, and left it yeah. on the ship or something, but. Yeah, we didn't we didn't need to mention that that, that they had an antimatter drive all these years until right. now. I also okay. There's a there is a scene in here that that's worth questioning. What's that? Privacy mode. Ah, yes. Privacy mode. So so she uh, Serena, for reasons I can't understand, decides to contact Darnell after Darnell has had his. His butt handed to him on a plate because uh, I guess she likes losers. I guess because she's a um, really boneheaded, rebellious teenager played by a 24 year old actress. So Serena contacts Darnell after he's just had his butt handed to him. So he's clearly a loser and she knows nothing about him except that he's a, a, a kidnapper, which, you know, I mean, 
only the finer people in life, a failed kidnapper, might I might add, one who's probably you know going to end up in jail very soon. But but she contacts him and she uses privacy mode. Now I like the fact that they have privacy mode, um, and and so the message is encrypted. And in theory, you know, depending on the encryption, if there's a backdoor. You know, if there's a backdoor for the good guys, there's a backdoor for the bad guys. There shouldn't be a backdoor, but okay. There's, they've encrypted the message, and Caravaggio is technically capable of decrypting the message, but he won't do it because it was privacy mode. Okay, that that makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is not that what should have happened is Percy should have rattled off a code. Like, Caravaggio, implement Percy 101, commit. And then overridden his privacy programming and had him decrypt the message. In other words, make it clear that Percy has done some modifications to Caravaggio to allow him to bypass privacy mode, which he shouldn't be able to do, but... She has changed him to do it. That would make perfect sense. That would fit. I think that may have even been hinted at in a previous episode, maybe in the first season. But here she just threatens to delete him. So he overrides his own programming out of fear? Yeah, there should have been a different way to get there. I, 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 yeah, it just, you know, I can't do that. It's privacy mode. All right, Caravaggio, remember, I'm going to implement this primary one omega override primary one omega and then decrypt the message and and then send it send it out to her and and that would have been consistent with percy consistent with with the function of caravaggio as the ai for a ship and consistent with with what we've seen and and i found that you know that that's back in the the realm of the computer's really just a person not really a machine kind of paradigm that they like to put up in a lot of shows and and it's not really eh. (laughs) it left me nonplussed um but but with notes i don't think i have anything else i don't have much else um um von flores played darnell and uh, I saw him in all five seasons of Earth Final Conflict. I don't know if you've seen that series. Earth Final... Oh, that's uh, that's one of the... Um, is that one of the pseudo-Roddenberries? Yes, it was. Okay. There was like a, a two-sentence treatment and somebody turned it into a show and said Gene Roddenberry presents. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I think... I have not. I have the, not seen that one. The, the first, it ran five seasons. The um, first season was very good and philosophical. And then the, we're getting to the second season, it got all actiony and went downhill more. Hence why it managed to go four more years. <laughs> more more with each season. And um, at, even though I'm, I tend to be a completionist, but when it came time to get that series on disc, I got season one and stopped. <laughs> okay. But, but anyhow. My- um, Von Flores played Agent Sandoval, who was the only character to go through all five seasons, mm. and he was very GQ, hair slicked back, always wore great suits, uh, and kind of toady and magnificently slimy character. And uh, I saw this episode, but I couldn't help but think of him. I, I can I can see it. it. That looks like the type that he would play. I mean, he does look like he is playing a uh, Miami Vice drug lord, or maybe not the drug lord, but you know, somewhere up in the chain, but not the the kingpin. Likes the finer yeah. things, likes exactly. the ladies, likes the clues. Is uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah. I I I, I saw that. Uh, I thought it was unusual to give him the name Darnell, but uh, and and to give the other guy the name Santiago. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, let's give the Filipino the actor the name Darnell and give the white guy the name Santiago. It's the it, you know it's it's uh, it's like uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine Miguel O'Hara. I mean, it's the future. 
it's a melting pot. The names don't correspond to your, and that's fine, you know, fine. But it, I, it, it felt it did feel like a intentional act no. on the part of the producers or the no. writer or something. I got the impression that the script that, that the writer whose name was I'll give that to you in a moment here, Peter I Horton, um, the head writer for for, for this season. Um, wrote down the character names and people went to cast and they just cast <laughs> guys are cast that's right yeah hmm. what have we got next time uh, painless which is about a um, drug that causes a person who is on who is high on it to feel no pain therefore Let's take see. incredible risk yes i am going to think about that between now and then because there was a show and I can't remember which one it is I'm thinking my brain is saying greatest American hero and I know that's not it but it was just that they would give this drug to people and they would exhibit well let's say superhuman strength but that's not really what it was they were exhibiting human strength that had no restrictions because pain stopped them from doing does that it makes sense. So in other words, right. oh, I'm just going to keep pulling against this thing. Whereas if you were doing it on your own, you'd realize I'm going to stop because, ow, but you don't. So you do manage to use the full strength of your body, which is stronger than the, the pain inhibited strength. But at the same time, they hurt themselves real bad doing it. I think they all died during the process of it. I'll try to see if I can figure out what that show was. But it's much older than this, I'm sure. Yeah. And you may right. also you know, also the next for the next one you may recognize the main guest actors being from a certain uh, CBS vampire show. CBS vampire show for, uh, for forever, forever night. night. Yeah, La Croix. Oh, it's not Geraint Sin Winston no, Davies or whatever. But it's the one who. But it's uh, it's the one who played the other vampire. Believe it or not, I never watched the show. <laughs> I was, I was like, eh. I think I may have seen an episode or two, but it, that that was not my, not my milieu. But I might recognize him. Is he the? Well, I saw the previews, so I think I know who you're talking about. He did kind of vaguely look familiar. Yeah. All right, Kenneth. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Listeners, do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at fusionpatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. I love it when they give me math. I love it when they give me math.